to the Phobos Militia Hobbycast. This is Charles DeMassant at Silver Phoenix Entertainment reaching out to this incredible audio world. Phobos Militia. <laughs> now, here's something kind of interesting. One of the ways that I was able, you know, having dyslexia, and it really wasn't diagnosed at the time. They just thought, you know, you're a laser, you're an idiot in school back when I was going there. And now it's like, oh, you sneeze. Oh, let's do your grades for you because you sneeze. You know, back then it's like, ah, you don't have hands or feet and you're not willing to type. Well, then you get an F. You know, that was the old days. But, oh, yeah. you know, and having dyslexia, I, you know, I, I, I wanted to graduate, you know, in normal time, but instead of only taking English six times, I had to take it 15 times. But one of the classes, the journalist, it was journalism class, and I decided to do editorial comics or, or, or articles, and one of the articles was on video games, how it could be very useful for hand-eye coordination sensing timing and pre-sensing timing because you may have targets ahead of time so you work to train your brain to coordinate with the moving pixels and then aiming to to work on it which actually you know can translate into you know military maneuvers let's say you're in an airplane you're going to fire in another airplane well you may not be firing direct to sight you may be firing ahead of the plane because of speeds things like that and you hit the plane even though you're not aiming at the plane because it's ahead of you at a different angle but because of the airspeed, turning radius, so on and so forth. And we may have been a little better because of video games. So that was the argument I made for video games. Plus, I did some graphics and things like that back then. And I got my first day in English. So I figured out all these different ways to do art with English, which helped to evolve myself into comic books. So, so Charles, tell the listeners exactly who you are, what you do, where your madness comes from. Well, the madness comes from knowing you. That that's 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 the real reality. Uh, in all seriousness, uh, I am Charles de Mossant of Silver Phoenix Entertainment. I publish comic books and trading cards, and and, and that's what I do. I make comic books. I work with about thirteen people uh, with Silver Phoenix Entertainment. It's actually owned by my eighty-one-year-old mom. She does like all the books and oh, the boring right. stuff. Go, mom. Yeah, I know. She's like, oh, let me do the books and get the taxes ready. Oh, okay. You just create. I mean, her voice sounds a lot nicer than that. That's more like my Gulita voice. I also have a secret <laughs> guest, by the way. A secret guest? Yes. His name is Brian K. Morris of something words. Freelance words. Yes. Tell us about yourself real quick. Well, pardon me while I horn in on Charles' time here. Um, I'm, I'm being, I'm becoming the second craziest man in comics because I'm the editor in chief at uh, Silver Phoenix. Uh, 
Um, he told me one day I was, and I believed him. Um, I've been <laughs> I've been a full time freelance writer for about four years now. I've got uh, four books out with a fifth that should come out any day now, um, providing I don't drive my cover artists insane. Uh, I'm also writing uh, some stuff for Charles that he will detail for you uh, over wow. the next few minutes, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, you Absolutely. have that to look forward to. But I, uh, my specialties are contemporary fantasy, i.e. comic book type, uh, but in prose, and uh, horror slash humor. Yes, not to be confused with horror's humor. Like, you know, horror's humors, right? Like, like, uh, oh, yeah. uh, you know, how do you make a hormone? <laughs> Every time I mention that I'm a horror movie fan, everybody goes that route instead of just to the horror. Yeah. Joke. <laughs> like every time. I was a horror movie fan at one time, too, but I was single for ages, and I could explain why. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, I, I've, I've come up with a hypothesis about, you know, kids who are bullied a lot, why they might be into horror films, because they're... They're in control of the environment. Uh, also, they're not the victim. And, you know, do they relate more to the monster doing the victimizing, or do they relate more to the people who survive? Like, ha I survived bullying. Hey, when we branch out into movies, can we do one where the monster is a bully, and he goes around demanding lunch money from his victims? Yeah. <laughs> well, plus, that, that kid's pissed off, you know? He's pissed off at everything. So it's like it satisfies that urge. It's like classic Toxic Avenger. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, oh, God. That was so great. I remember being tormented like that in school, the way he was. But no one threw toxic waste on me. That's good. The day is young. Always wish. Yes. So, uh, but but to uh, veer it back, um, one of the fun things I'm doing uh, currently is we're developing several new titles. Um one of which is one of the most important comic books that will ever be made that you cannot buy. It is called The History of the Police in America. And I've actually been setting up an Indiegogo page, and apparently, I guess it's already launched. They do that automatically, and it's like, wait a second, I wanted to get more stuff prepared. It's that important that Indiegogo couldn't wait. Well, not Indiegogo, <laughs> GoFundMe. I'm an idiot. So it's, oh, go, 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 go yeah. 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 So go to Indigo, go to GoFundMe.I'mAnIdiot.com. Oh, excellent. Yeah. <laughs> but in the next day or so. I think that's the real URL. <laughs> yeah, it is. GoFundMe.com. Yeah, but, but, you know, I've been tweaking it and getting it up there. So, you know, uh, feel free to spread the word around when I'm ready. It'll be a day or so before I do a, a true launch. And then we go oh, yeah, from we'll, there. Like when we upload this episode of the Phobos Militia, we'll, we'll make sure we link. Uh, your GoFundMe will link the other project you're no like, no doubt going to talk about. Oh yeah. Um, oh, the one with Philo Barnhart, my buddy. Yeah. And yeah, uh, Kickstarter one. Okay. That will be funded by the end of uh, this, this campaign. This episode that will be amazing. Yeah. Oh, oh my God, that's this a uh, really beautiful woman from Sweden. She's like, I want to get a blah blah blah, you know, beautiful. And she even like sent me all these little detailed pictures and was like very very careful with crafting it. You know, and it says, I want Philo to do it. And, and she, you know, wonderful young lady. Um, mm -hmm. But she, uh, I said, why don't you just do it through the Kickstarter campaign? Oh, that's oh. great. And then she said, oh, yeah, how long will, will I get my drawing at the end of the campaign? I said, well, if it doesn't fund, then all money's refunded. 
So that's, you know, beautiful, sweet, you know, uh, lovely Swedish girl posted on her mermaid page and, and boom, boom, boom. It like jumped 12% already. Yeah, so we're just trying to get to all those, you know, phenomenal, wonderful mermaid people out there. That's an amazing subculture. These people oh, yeah. will buy all these, like, uh, apparatuses and stuff and, and, and become, you know, uh, single-legged or single-fin, go in the water, just kind of look beautiful. And we're there's a um, one convention I'm trying to get into maybe, you know, with us, you know, Philo and I. Okay, just to explain a little bit about Philo is he's a former Disney artist who actually helped to create Ariel with a Little Mermaid. So my thought is, hey, we've been doing conventions for the past three years. You've done a lot of commissions. So why don't we do a Kickstarter fundraiser to make a book out of your commission so that people can have something for archival purposes or they can have, like, you know, some uh, you know, original drawings. I mean, just just go to kickstarter.com, type in P-H-I-L-L-O-B-A-R-N-H-A-R-T, and you can see what it's about. So that's basically it on that. It's I, I want to see. Yes. That's right. Yeah. I want to say. And, and the thing is, is uh, having a few successful Kickstarters myself, like you will be funded where you're currently at because you have, um, you did a very long Kickstarter. And if you do longer than 30 days, basically the lull in the middle is longer. Oh. So basically, you're stuck in the lull right now. <laughs> but when you get into the final week, uh, you're going to get the normal Kickstarter backers that are going to see that it's basically funded, and boom, you'll be funded. Yay. The key is, is going for your next stretch goal. That's what we gotta we got to shoot for, because you're going to at least get, if you get a couple more backers, you're good. Yes. Oh, it's at 69%. Now, does 96 have as much fun as 69? Not at all. Oh, never. <laughs> if it was only funded at 68%, he would owe you a book. Whoa! <laughs> oh, speaking yeah. of that... Um, uh, Philo is doing a cover for you, and if you want, I can do an alternate cover or some art for you, too. Um, Absolutely. Here, let me just uh, send this to you right now so you can describe what I just did. This will be one of the few things you can describe what Charles did. Yeah. 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 Not, not too many. Either. Oh, you my gosh. <laughs> That's why TMZ.com yes. was born. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, it's, that's the, the craziness, though. But, yeah, that, that Kickstarter is a really cool one. I know I personally funded the um, coloring book that they did. Um, I really think you should do a combo of the coloring book and the commission book because yeah. people would want both. Uh, well, I'm going to do that. I'm also going to do a thing where we can get Jeff's book, too. So that will be a little surprise fun. And uh, I might even oh, yeah. throw in some of my comic books. Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely. Yeah, because I have a few available that can be added as a bonus. Either NES is really popular, or yeah. NES, or any of the culture. So topics. just email that, and I'll throw that in, and people go nuts. Like, oh, my God, follow book and stuff. And then, and then you know, and maybe I'll throw in something hidden, like a secret uh, Charles drawing. But uh, oh, yeah. uh, I'm going to send this to your Facebook thing. Yeah, let me just organize okay. it. So this is uh, a picture of a... A um, octopus that's yeah. black with purple outlines. It's for Fandom Con, um, and it shows like a beach with a like convention hall, I would assume, and some palm trees. Yeah, and it's like a giant octopus that looks like it may engulf the convention. Yeah, do you see the people running away to the convention hall to go avoid the uh, octopus? <laughs> yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah it's, it, it's a really cool picture, and it's all like anime style, but more of a horror aspect to it. That's my style. 
Exactly. And the horror aspect is awesome. And yeah. Having a like a horror alternate cover for my my uh, upcoming book would be pretty cool. And I, I did um mention the artwork in a latest update that I did. So yeah, I put it out there a little bit. Yes. So that way you guys got a plug and all that. Thank you. Yay, a plug. Uh-huh. Now now I can stop oh. the drain and take a real bath. Plug it in, plug it up. You know, the one thing I do got to say that was really amazing was um, Borderline moderating uh, at that last uh, really well-done video game show that was in Chicago. That was fun, so. You know, I, I oh, was yeah, very Chicago impressed. Was that, was, that was really cool. Yeah, those panels are exciting, and that's the thing is, like, whether or not that convention itself was you know, good for the person putting it on. We all had fun. Right. We well, it was professionally done. It uh, was yeah. very organized, and it was really fun. And uh, the best part I enjoyed was watching the fans come in, play the video game, stop by our booth, talk to you, stop by our booth, talk to me. And, oh, yeah. you know, and, and just the synergy was really good. And, you know, it was kind of amazing how we met. Um, you know, you know, we were at a, di- a different show, um, uh, F- yeah, 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 F- FX something, uh, FX Replay. Re- it was Replay FX where they also had the Donkey Kong World Championships and yes. the Pinsburg, like, the biggest pinball tournament in the world. Yes, nice. and you know what was bizarre? Hillary Clinton was literally 100 feet away from us giving a giant speech and less than 20 people yep. showed up. That's hilarious and whacked out. <laughs> Yeah, I know. We were just divided by a wall. If she was on our side, she probably would have come over to our booth and uh, made file a draw or something, or make me draw something. Wow, it's tripped out. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's so many bad political jokes I could say. I'd probably get banned from this uh, uh, thing. You know, I'd be assassinated. You know, sneaky stuff. CIA would come out. Yes, yes. Pop out of your computer. Yes. You know, CIA is it's like call this number and. Oh, yeah, there's this weird scam going on where people are, like, calling, like, I am full of Apple. Do not do your device until we tell you what to do. Gundy? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) Holy moly. Yes. I get, like, uh, I I constantly get, like, Indian companies trying to give me, like, we'll redo your website for you. Like, pay us money and we'll redo your website. And I'm like... No. And I tell them all no. Like, they keep on emailing me because I, I just registered Hagensalley.com and VGBSpodcast.com. Yeah, which are great. I mean, well done. It's just like a it's a, it's a classic minimalistic blog-style website, which is what I want. Right. I post content. Yeah. Like, I don't want anything complex. If I want something complex, guess what? I have a bachelor's degree in computer science. I can do it. Damn, you're, like, actually it. smart? Oh, yeah. We, we got them smarts. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, try we do. Brian, you be smarts? <laughs> huh? <laughs> uh-huh. Powerful smarts. Yeah, yeah, he's editing. Well, uh, you know, yeah. I, so um, I should tell yeah, you some of the uh, projects I'm working on. Oh, absolutely. Tell us all the projects. Tell us some of your favorite comic books that you've drawn, because... Some of your stories that you were telling me about, like, the comic books, like the couple that I got from you, those are awesome. Well, thank you. I want to hear them, man. I want to hear them. Silverphoenix.net. Now it's time for stories about comics. Yes. (laughs) All right. Silverphoenix.net. 
one of the uh, I'm doing a major educational comic book, and right now we're shifting that to be one of our two flagships. This one is called History of the Police in America. And the crazy thing about this is we plan to give away one million units away for free across the country. However, we're going to need your help and your sponsorship. That's why I'm setting up the GoFundMe page. Uh, I also may set up a Kickstarter page, too, if, if you know the funds aren't that strong. Um, I need to raise a minimum of 6000 to at least get the art done. A total for the first book of 180000 so I can give them away for free. Anything that goes beyond that 180000 will start to go into the second book. Now, let's say we get into uh, high th six figures, low seven figures, then I can expand to merchandising, more books. Um, in fact, uh, one of the gentlemen, uh, Joe Fitzgerald, is part of the Peel Group, and he's actually being trained on uh, Obama's latest initiative, the six-pillar system. And so that's things that we could put into the latest comic book. Um, and then farther down the line plans is to start branching off into other educational comics, history of the fire department, evolution of the uh, paramedic, um, and di you have different branches of the police system also, um, evolution of corrections, um, SWAT, the detective, you know, and, and, and all these different technologies, you know, on that. Uh, Brian, would you like to so, add a few things? Oh, yes, sir. So, 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 one thing that I'll tell you, which is the same thing I told you, our our good buddy Martin Alessi, who did a Little Player. He does Little Player magazine, which is a magazine, um, video game magazine aimed towards children. Yes. Um, is that Kickstarter is a very hard sell for children's books? Yes. Because parents aren't going on there buying for their kids; they're buying for themselves. Yes. And, like, GoFundMe may be one aspect, but I almost think, and what I recommended to Martin, which is how he helped to get his business, like, started, ground-pounding uh, the, the actual school districts around. Yes. That could be, you know, people around the world on social media helping by going to their own as well. But going to those people, because this is another item that should be in classrooms. Yes. Without a doubt. Well, what's and to get the teachers because, like, I know teachers that are into retro gaming. There's teachers that are into comic books. There's teachers that were at high schools that I would go to that were like had taught like theory of comic books to their kids. So having an educational comic book is something they're looking for. Oh yeah, and what's really neat about this is. Um and I'll let Brian explain it's the way he encapsulated the story so it just isn't blah, blah, blah facts. Blah, blah, snore facts. Take over, Brian. All right. Um, snore lads. Yeah, well, as the writer of this book, and proud to be, Charles contacted me one night and said, you're writing this book. And I said, fine. Um, <laughs> gave me the brief on it. And uh, that's how the big decisions are made here at Silver Phoenix. You're doing that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I even threw money at him, and he responded quickly. In a, in a way that I'm grateful there were no video cameras. Um, but um, I was given this brief by uh, Joe Fitzgerald, uh, kind of a timeline. And I get back to Charles and Joe, and I'm like, uh, guys, I don't really want to write a puff piece, you know, saying how wonderful the police always are, have been, etc., although I do support the work they do. 
but there's a lot of stuff in here that uh, I sure wouldn't be willing to tell anyone I did. Like, um, some police were used to break up strikes. They injured over a million people at one point while uh, unionization was taking hold in the early part of the 20th century. Uh, some were used to capture runaway slaves. Some were virtually a private army. And then there's the stories of corruption overzealousness in uh, enforcing the law. And I was told, go for it. Tell it all. And so this is, a, I think, a very balanced comic book. Plus, it is not just the cold recitation of facts, which is what I call most comic books that are educational. But I actually told a story with it. It involves a multicultural family who their family business is police work and the youngest member of the family an 18 year old girl wants to go into public service but after a bad encounter with the police she perceives that becoming a cop is not the way to do it so she gets the history of how the police force evolved in america and how it influenced her family so there's a real story with real characters that i think people will will like and, and identify with the other thing I have to really compliment uh, with Brian's writing is how he encapsulated, it's a three-issue series, but how he encapsulated um, pre, uh, Watchmen to pre-Miranda, then issue two will be post-Miranda 9-11, then 9-11 to modern day, where uh, Fitzgerald is getting hands-on training and research, which will make this, you know, the body cams, uh, um, new ways of, of interacting with arrests, you know, things like that. Um, getting out of the squad cars and, and, and walking up and down the streets, you know, you know, being in, in, you know, you know, I mean, there's, I'm stumbling on the words because there's so much that can go into these. And, you know, as I mentioned before, uh, we, our plan is to move issue one on free comic book day, which will be May 6th of, uh, next year. So it's the first Saturday in May is Free Comic Book Day. Um, mm -hmm. Issue two, uh, we may be giving that out during National Night Out. Now that's where the police interact with the community and throw a big party for everybody. Uh, and then issue three, we could figure out when to give that out. Um, if, let's say, the funding goes really well, just, just out of control, then I might uh, do something where you get issue one at the comic book, Free Comic Book Day, then you got to go to the police stations to get number two, and you know maybe the police can do something fun. If I don't do a National Night Out, and then issue three, you can get at stores like Seven Elevens or Circle Ks or things like that, where it just becomes this this fun multi-place uh, hunt to get a comic book you cannot buy. Yes, like a little scavenger hunt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where you where you learn the. And yeah, exactly. But it's, it was always cool to go to the police station because there's like so much stuff you just want to look at, you know. Yeah. So much interesting stuff you could make out of that. I mean, really. It'll be interesting to see how you market it too, because like having to follow that, that'll be really cool. Yeah. Well, we've gotten a lot of interest already, um, just in the preliminary kind of soft uh, introduction to the book. Um, Joe Fitzgerald spoke to a conference of police last month yes. in um, in South Chicago. Um, it was like the largest 
gathering of law enforcement officers in in Illinois. In Illinois, it was the um, um, uh, Chiefs of Police Conference That's of it. Illinois. Yes, and oh, wow. Joe gave a fantastic speech, even though the um, the subject was kind of mislabeled in the program book. We still had about two dozen people show up, which in this room almost filled it. Yeah. Uh, and then a few of them actually went out and grabbed their friends from other lectures and said, you're in the wrong one. You need to come into this one. <laughs> oh, jeez. And, yeah. and part of our marketing, and kudos to Charles for thinking of this, was he created Cop Pop, which was he got a very good brand of blue raspberry, I believe yes. it was, soda, um, with... Cane sugar and stuff, you know, for that extra um, jolt in the middle of the afternoon that we all desperately need. Addictiveness. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and and he was handing it out to people um, who were very receptive. Um, in fact, Joe has talked to a number of police chiefs about this project. He's met with, I think, maybe only one or two people that said they didn't think it would fly, but they still want to see just in case. Yeah. And uh, last time I talked to Joe, which was at a convention uh, about two weeks ago, he mentioned that even some gang members have seen this comic and are like, when does this come out? Just because we're involved in the lifestyle doesn't mean we want our children to be. How do we save them? So we're getting all kinds of really good advanced buzz, plus uh, there are some other fundraisers that will be done in a local sense in the Chicago area that Charles can probably speak more to than I can. Yeah, there's even um, uh, the Patio Theater, the people who run that want to try to organize a, a fundraiser. There's a councilman near Detroit who wants to organize a fundraiser, and I even got a, a random check from a councilman in a, a Lincoln... Town or Lincoln something, uh, God, my memory is like cheese whiz. Um, but uh, he sent a check saying, "I want to do my part." So after I cashed it, I just sent it straight to the artist. You know, like get more pages done. But yeah, so I think that's pretty much it for that project. Yeah. Well, speaking of the artist, we should we should talk about the artist. Oh yeah. Uh, the artist is Jeffrey Moy, who, if you followed Legionnaires from DC Comics in the 90s. Uh, He and his brother illustrated that, plus he's done Star Trek The Next Generation and a couple of other Star Trek tie-in comics. And he's currently a uh, designer for video games, I believe. Yeah, he designs video games, so... There's your there's your link. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I forgot what video games it does. Yeah, um, X Men. I know X Men yeah. is one of them, and yeah. he's done some of the Star Wars games as well. Yes. While I yeah, the ones are really sweet, and the Star Wars ones too. Yeah, oh, yeah. He does phenomenal work, and while uh, I'm vamping for time, Charles will find that information. Yeah. But uh, another thing I can speak to is the authenticity of what we do. Uh, Joe fact checked me a lot. So that the writing uh, is about as accurate as we're going to get on this thing. And Jeffrey probably spends every day cursing me because I'm making him draw all these historical um, uniforms and skylines. Uh, He and I spent about an hour one afternoon looking for old photos on the internet of the New York skyline circa 1880. 
Because oh, he wants to get this right, and, and that's so do cool. I. Yeah, I cares that much, you know. He does. He does. He's. Uh, he's. I think he's very passionate about this. Um, Sounds like it. Yeah. yeah so I'm. He's. He's going to make me look good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the way everybody makes everybody look good. Yeah, shining times, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I need all the help I can get. Oh yes. Now, I've been rumored I'm beyond help, but that's a whole different story. I have been dubbed the craziest man in comics. And some people are like, what? You're gaming away one million units? Are you nuts? And, and I'm like, you know, here's something neat about the diamond thing, you know, you know especially if we're accepted. And, and I figured out some plans if we're not accepted. Uh, they actually had a section, how many do you want donated to the military? So I said, 100,000. You know, just boom. <laughs> you know, so so uh, you know our, our 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 great brave men in green, or the other blue uniforms, uh, or black and or the salt and peppers, you know maybe getting our comic book too. So you know this could be a lot of fun. It's just, it's cool stuff. So so Brian said it all in a good way. Hey, should we, do you have any questions about this project before we talk about other ones that we're working on? Um, it sounds really cool. So you're gonna start the ground pound with the uh, the whole diamond initiative. Is that how you're gonna start the uh, the funding process so you can work on getting these comics printed? Um, actually, with diamond is is one of the routes of distribution. Ah. So the GoFundMe is to primarily raise the funding for printing the first book because you know it's costs a lot to print a bunch of books, such a million Absolutely. units. And of course, it's a lot of paper. I mean, I mean, you and know, ink. yeah, and staples. That's like ten oak trees, I think. I oh think yeah, and the staples. That that might be a semi truck. Yeah. Yeah. So imagine turning a semi truck into staples. There you go. There's my comic book. And afterwards, he turns into Office Depot. Yes. Yeah. Poor Office yeah. Depot. Dad like crying because it's like an empty place. <laughs> so, do you have any other questions you'd like to ask? Or cleaning out at Home Depot. Yeah. All their staples. Yeah. Yeah. All the school kids are crying because, you know, they, I can't get my science project on, Daddy. Uh, Charles took everything. Sounds like a really awesome initiative, though. We'll make sure we link the uh, the GoFundMe at the, um, you know, when we post the page and everything. Yes. When we when we talk about it on social media, too, like all of us, we just need to make sure people know where to find this stuff. Because, you know, it's the same thing with your the Kickstarter that you're doing. You can't promote this stuff enough. Oh, yeah. No matter how much you promote it, people still aren't going to know about it. There's still people that don't know about my NES or SNES game that are collectors for those systems. Yeah. And, I mean, I've pushed it everywhere I could possibly think. Well, here's... There's just always going to be more people. Here's something that upsets me about Facebook. All right, I spend X amount of time, and let's say I have 5,000 fans. All right, I'm the one who did the work to get those 5,000 fans, per se. Now... I post something about my Kickstarter fundraiser, like, you know, I'm doing my NES book, you know, I, I'm Jeff, I'm awesome and cool, I save the world once, once a week because of what I do for my real living. But, that being said, why do I have to pay to have these people see my link to do it, when I'm the one who got the people for you? Yeah. And if yeah, they're... Really do. I, don't know, I don't even know if Kyle's aware of that. Yeah. That's that, interesting um, right there. So, so, so right now, on the complete SNES page... I have 4,644 likes currently. Yes. Um, when I post something, for example, a link to, um, I don't know, like a convention that I did. Like I had a, a, a link to my campaign update. I have 236 people that reached it. Right. 
236. Another post that I did where Portland Retro Gaming Expo highlighted my book with the four best books of the year. Um, 106 yeah. people viewed it. So the ones that I quote unquote pay them for, 18,000 people reached. Yeah. And I pay them like five bucks or something. Yeah, like, 15 bucks. Yeah. yeah, or else nothing happens. Or yeah. else you get 100. And I had five. 4,644 people that should pop up on there saying that this group that they're following posted this, that it doesn't do it like that because you're not paying. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, money just says it all. It just, if you have the money, you can get anything you want. Oh, oh it's, basically. It's it is. Like, you know, even if you look at all the celebrities, like most of them are from families, like yeah. lineages. You but know. that's the dirtiness of facebook is that you like charles said you're doing the ground pound getting people to like your page and then you got to pay money for them to be able to see your content that's like, true it's it's that, backwards <laughs> that, that's true and i understand that facebook is actually altering their logarithms that's what i've read from my various paranoia groups that um they are kind of i hate to use the word suppressing but uh make kind of making sure that not everyone who could see your message does and plus you know if you go into your account your personal account and you think well i want to trim all the dead weight off of here but you can't access everyone who has ever friended you yeah uh but they still keep their numbers they still keep their data so that um for instance i've got 1200 people i recently Culled um, a few dozen from my pages, uh, but I, I'm looking at the people that do pop up in my friends list, and I know there's not. I'm not seeing 1,200 people there. No. So I don't know if they're counting like uh, the same person over and over. Like uh, Joe Smith, is he part of my J's and he counts there, and then the S's he counts again. Or did he just abandon it and uh, Facebook all all together and um, move on and get a real life and discover girls and all that? Or Damn, there are girls out there? Well, there are because yeah. I I found some there websites about that. Oh, <laughs> but anyway, um, do some research. I'm a writer. It's it's my life. It's, I have to do this. He must, and he's married too. That's the best part. Inexplicably. Um, Poor suffering woman. She's on every prayer list in two counties, but um, <laughs> but no, it's uh, it, it's part of the conspiracy within Facebook to make sure that you do that you do tr- buy ads if you want to extend the reach of any sort of commercial enterprise you have. Um, now I'll let Charles talk for a little while while I go reline the inside of my hat with the aluminum foil. <laughs> Yes. Would you like to know about any of the projects I'm doing or charities? Of course. I all, would. All, okay. All. Yes. Terminator. All. all. I want all. Well, um. Uh, d- yeah, oh my God, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, I've 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 recently become friend with this very young, interesting woman. Um, I mean, you're know, more acquainted, but but she she escaped the Amish life, and she has a touch of a German accent. Apparently. When they're little, they're taught German until the age of eight. Then they're taught normal English. And they do, like, interesting things like if there's a marriage, they'll grow a bunch of celery at the entrance of their community. So if you know what that means, you could be like, eh, when's the wedding? And then they'll tell you. You know, and then for the first year they're married, um, 
they don't cook. Everybody in the community comes and cooks for them stuff so they can just concentrate on being married. And then after a year, then it's like they're on their own because they're considered like all grown up and no longer, you know, whatever. But I digress. Um, <laughs> another title we're developing, and we're planning to do a Kickstarter on October 15th, is The Haunted Tales of Bachelor's Grove. And it's actually based Ooh. off of a real... I've actually been there a few times, and I got some sick pictures from there. Yeah! Crazy pictures, like tons of orbs, because they, they got the lake. Yes. Where, where Capone dumped all the bodies, the pond. Yep. Yeah, do tell, do tell. Out well, in the mire. Yeah. Yes, well, oh, and I don't have that latest update you did for the uh, rules of the universe. But, um, mm. um, Hold yeah, the, in, in, the, in the universe of Haunted Tales of Bachelors Grove, um, the house, the pond, and the cemetery are sentient entities of malevolence. And all the stories echo and, 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 and bleed from, from their interaction with the uh, society. And sometimes, and most of the times, the three, uh, the triad of entities, will work together to cause mayhem and mischief. Sometimes they battle amongst themselves. Um, and now, what we've also done is created uh, human characters as counterparts. Because in in Bachelor's Grove, you got vampires, you got ghouls, you got demons, you got ghosts. Werewolves tend to stay away. Um, space aliens, zombies, mad scientists, all these different interactions with Bachelor's Grove. And what we've been doing is we've been synergizing with a bunch of different writers and artists, and we're kind of treating this kind of like a coffee shop community where we're all just jamming together, doing this book uh, for basically free. Uh, you know, I own, you know, you know, we've got some, uh, you know, printing equipment and things like that, so I've been printing for them. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, you need 200 posters, here you go, things like that, you know, in exchange for art or the story. Um sure. And then the goal is to Kickstarter it. Let's hope it explodes. And then we just do straight out profit sharing. So, you know, let's say $30,000, 40000 $100,000 made. I mean, all the writers and artists and everyone involved would be quite happy, you know? Absolutely. Plus, you know, I've gotten, I was able to get people like Brian Morris. Yay. E.C. Uh, Gaska, who's done a lot of Planet of the Apes stuff. Uh, Steve Geiger, who used to be an art director for Marvel Comics. Um, you know, Cynthia Martin is, is another name, Jasper Sparks. I mean, all, you know, all these different industry people, and we might even be getting Bernie Wrightson uh, for a cover, you know, you know, things like that. I, I mean, I, we're still researching that. But it's really fun that here we got pros, you know, the hard-nosed, boiled pros, and then we have uh, interns or students or coffee shop girls, you know, who are all just, you know, we're all treating each other equally. And just jamming on this creepy project. So, you know, like one of the stories, this girl's attacked by a vampire, and we see her soul is ejected from the body. It's tethered to the body. And then she's trapped watching the body commit atrocities, and she's helpless and can't do anything to stop it. And we got other crazy things, like uh, this guy tries to develop Enochian math, wants to publish the findings, and he discovers he's been dead for three weeks. You know, would you like to add some crazy stuff? Well, let's see some of the stuff I've been writing. Excuse me. Yeah. We're, we're playing footsie here. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm uh, one of the features we're going to have in the book is uh, based on a real-life goth illusionist. Yes. Master Ron Fitzgerald, yes. who is a wonderful, wonderful illusionist, plus an actor, writer, 
a man of many talents. For and he has a really fun act. For instance, he warns people when he starts, you know, that he is a trained illusionist, and you should not try anything you see him do at home unless you're crazy drunk. <laughs> so, uh, so we have stories like Ron is. Uh, part he is like the judge at a jury of condemned souls <laughs> against his will. Yeah. Then uh, the next story I wrote was where he goes to a children's birthday party to entertain with um, with tentacle references. So let your minds wander <laughs> on there. Not hentai. Tentacle yeah, not hentai. Not, not hentai. hentai. <laughs> but. Uh, oh, and then the latest story I wrote, based on a story by Ron and uh, Charles, was where Ron wakes up in a bathtub full of ice in a strange motel, gets himself checked out, and the doctor tells him, well, nothing is missing. In fact, it was an installation. <laughs> You've got like three kidneys, your appendix is back, they've replaced your adenoids, and there's three things inside you. We have no idea what they do. <laughs> See, that's, that's a normal Friday for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You spend your weekends how you want, we'll do it our way. Uh, that's the one thing. Charles uh, frequently gives me plot ideas yeah. because he is a fount of ideas. And then I try to see if I can make him cringe at what I've done, but in a good way. Yes. I mean, other things that we have, um, of, of uh, another live person mm -hmm. is uh, uh, Kodrosha Ona One, Queen of the Paranormal. Now, what we've oh, done yeah. with her is that uh, her ancestor is a, is a guardian spirit that assists her. She's and, two. Oh, yeah, two guardian She's spirits. Two, one is her grand... I think they're both her grand, grandmother. Grandmothers. Yeah. yeah. You know, but the two grandmothers, so she's able to see and interact in the world of the dead, but she can also do things uh, that, you know, you know, and, and I know I'm bouncing around. Ron is dark magic, um, and he's considered... Uh, a magus. Yeah, a magus. Yes. You know, and uh, he would be uh, chaotic good, if you wanted to look at D&D &D terms. One of the things I did was... The wheel. Okay. Was um, the house is lawful good. The rule is... If you can survive its tricks and traps, it basically lets you go. It had a good game. Um, it's lawful good, but its rules can be very strict, and it interprets the rules the way that it wants to. The cemetery, she's the kindest of the three. She's just sick of everybody, just wants them to be gone. She's tired of being pregnant. Just leave her alone. You know, just, just, just go. Just walk through me. Don't, I won't even make a cricket sound. But if you mess with her, then she can be very vindictive. The worst of the three is the pond, because she is hungry and loves the feeling of flesh decaying within her gut. She is chaotic evil, and she wants more. And, and, and so for the counterparts, we have Ron Fitzgerald, who has a connection to the pond. Uh, Kedrosha is going to have a loose connection to the house. Now, she's lawful good herself. Then a, a fictional character, but based on the looks of uh, two people uh, that I've used for model reference. Um, she's a sociopath who's married to a high up-and-coming politician. And she, uh, Lilith is her name, Lilith Fedrome, which means a hunter. Um, and Lilith is a nightmare, you know, uh, or, or, you know, a monster. 
Um, so yeah. she, so her name literally translates to Monster Hunter. And, you know, we're, we're doing her origin story where, you know, she was a really sick child and, you know, had all the tensions of wanting to murder and just held back. Um, you know, she's developed the perfect trope of the perfect wife, the, the good wife. Um, everyone who meets her, you think she's the greatest person to know, and it's all an act. She just feels nothing until she's attacked by a monster and she lets go and murders for the first time. And for the first time in her life, she truly feels pleasure. And when it's over, she wants more. So she figures out how to work with her husband to go on the campaign trail and organizes it with strange phenomena because she's really into to doing it and she wants that pleasure again. She, she doesn't stop the monster because it's the right thing to do. It feels good. That's why. This actually sounds like a story that you would see on um, like a Stranger Things type of thing on Netflix now where yeah. it's like a horror movie serialized show. Oh, yeah. And, and what's interesting is when Kadrosha looks at her uh, because she could see your psychic, your aura, things like that. The sociopath looks like pure static. Uh, not a real aura at all. And she's not a personality static. In fact, there's one story where Lilith teams up with an actual serial killer. And she's like, hey, hey, uh, let's do something interesting. You know, you know, follow me on my hunt. Uh, this might be fun. And deals with the monster, deals with the monstrosity. The real serial killer is freaked out by it. And she realizes, oh, you're not a, uh, a sociopath, you're a psychopath. My mistake. I thought you were like me. And the guy's like, you know, uh, I'd rather just kill people. It's easier. And she just shrugs and she walks her separate way. Doesn't call the police, doesn't do anything. It's like, all right, it, no interest to her and just goes on. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're going to do some team-ups with this. And our long-term hope is to collect enough stories with both Kadrosha and Ron and start launching sub-series uh, loosely based on it. So, nice. so uh, Lilith has more of a connection with the, the um, cemetery. Kadrosha has a connection with the house, and Ron has a connection with the pond. And so, the, you know, it's just an interesting synergy. And, and who knows, this might become enough of a popular story that maybe we become a Netflix series. You never know, man. Yeah. I, I know how to write movie scripts. Yeah. Uh, do you have any questions you'd like to ask about that property? That sounds pretty cool, man. Yeah, they. Um, have you ever actually been out there? Yeah. Oh, oh, God. I'm the only member of the team that hasn't. Yet. Yet. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we plan to make our introduction video on the, the, on the site. And I've heard of how the cemetery would curse different people. You know, you, know, you know, you go there and then you get cursed and you have a string of bad luck for a while. But ever since I've been working on this project... It's almost like the cemetery is blessing me. It's like, yes, tell our story. <laughs> we need the energy. Uh, uh, so what is the name of the place again? Uh, Bachelor's Grove. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. in Middle Lothian, Illinois. Yeah, and like if you go out there on like Halloween, oh. there's like cops like all around because that's the classic. Yeah, they won't let you in. I mean, I mean, there's supposedly cults that are there. There's supposedly been human sacrifices. Uh, weird real facts is somehow some of those super heavy gravestones ended up in the middle of the pond. When they're dragging it for bodies, boom, 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 they grab these like two to three ton stones. How do they get moved from the damn cemetery 
into the middle of the pond. It's it, it's just yeah. it's berserk. The other interesting thing is there's a lot of talk about a hound there, like a guardian dog. Oh yeah. And, uh, when I went out there, uh, I think second time we we saw a dog like, and that that's what was crazy. And also, um, in Hell's Half Acre in Kentucky, because I I just love like the ghost stuff. I yeah. Go to all the cemeteries and take pictures and. It was always crazy how fast your battery would drain. <laughs> like it was unbelievable. It was all the energy is like sapping from all the, just like the spirits or whatever it is. He liked the energy, but um, yeah, like there were there were dogs there. We were like going through the. We started going toward the cemetery, and all of a sudden, two dogs attacked us. There's something about dogs, and they they can not only sense like the 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 other side or whatever, but they also have like a connection to it. It's really weird. Well, it's a lot of male ovens that that you know I feel the dogs can be possessed by. Yeah, and it's and dogs always know when there's like you know something weird going on. They kind of get there's just something about it, like the hellhound deal. It's just interesting. But w- when when you go out there, especially when night starts to hit, you definitely get that sense of like dread in like the pit of your stomach. It's just it's not like. Jeez. It's just, it's not like normal. And oh yeah, because basically, like I'm getting a little backstory for all the listeners who aren't familiar with Midlothian, Illinois. And basically, if you go on Google and look up Badger Grove, you will see some of the creepiest and most effed up pictures. Most mm-hmm. all of them are about the cemetery, and a lot of them they show like pictures of proving that the ghosts are in their pictures and all the orbs and. A lot of creepy, uh, creepy pictures from Bachelor's Grove. And yeah. The, and the fact that, Charles, your story is revolving around this whole creepy, real thing is really interesting. Oh, yeah. Ursula Urbanski, eat your heart out. <laughs> yeah, dream, it pretty much it's like a ghost hunter's dream. Like, if you go out there, you will, you're almost guaranteed to at least get an orb or like a white. You know, plasma. It's because I was taking pictures left and right. There's the big thing is there's the pond, and that's where Al Capone and you know his boys like dump bodies. Yeah. So exactly. so it's like you know a fucked up energy there, and um, yeah, it. You know what it felt like? It felt like when I went to Gettysburg and Antietam, like the battlefield. Yes. A lot of people like or were died there. Like you can just feel it. Oh, so it, it, it it's yeah. intense. Well, it actually is. Two weird experiences I, I, I still have that, that echo with me to this day mm-hmm. is, one, a friend of mine and I were out there, and we saw along the trail human femurs. And that freaked us out a little bit. And they were, they were like, sawed. You, know, you had the tip part you know, where you got the two round, round ball joints you know, at, at each end of the femurs. The middle section was missing of the bones. They were all pointing the same way. And we decided to call the police on that. We were like, okay, that's a little much for us. They they looked at the bones, and they discovered that they were human femur bones, but from the 1800s. Holy shit. That was nice. the one weird thing. Um, I did see the house, and then when I was talking to my friend, I pointed to it, and he looks, and he says, what house? And we looked back, we didn't see it. So yeah, it, I've never seen the house. Yeah. So, so for everyone listening, there's a house that disappears and reappears. Yes. Some people yeah. see it, some people don't. And it, I don't know if it's the time of day or just it, it's in the right frame of mind that you are or what it is, but yes. And they, 
And and the two other things that, that I know is if you do see the house when you start running towards it, it keeps going farther back. Like the sun, yeah, or the moon or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So and, it still, like, moves with your horizon. Yes, and if you make it to the house and enter it, it's rumored that you may disappear. Interesting. You there's, know. If you look up, like, quantum theory, there's, like, flux. Yeah. Um, a lot of ghosts are, like, they say, like, okay, so let's say you have, like, a bottle of beer in front of you. There's a chance that there will be, like, a glitch in the universe, and that bottle of beer will go to Saturn for, like, a millisecond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing where sometimes you might see the past play out in the present because there's like a quantum flux. It's kind of like a burp in the universe, and weird things can happen. And that's what ghosts are kind of thought as from a scientific point of view. So it could be like playing out this weird burp over and over again. Well, here's something else too. You know, a couple of thoughts and, and ideas that I'm going to play in the comic book is that um, my future self now may have influenced my past but I don't even know it to be where I'm at now so your future self that you're not aware of now might be influencing yourself for the positive so that future self is where he or she needs to be like alternate realities yeah I kind of think that's how it works with me being cognizant of my dreams being reality yes and being aware of them and like I had dreams where I was going to horror movies with a blonde yeah. which I never dated a blonde until my wife oh. for horror movies Damn. and this is like 20 years later after I had the dreams I wrote them down in a notebook did she moan blonde. when you stepped on her toe <laughs> it was like it was like one of those things though where I wrote a detailed dream that I remembered down when I was like 7 Yeah, and it ended up happening to me when I was in my you know like late 20s yeah, I, like, I can relate to that. The, the, the two weirdest uh, future dreams that I had was my brother's passing, and when it actually happened, it felt like the movie was shot from a different angle, you know, when I was experiencing it for real. And I warned yeah. him about it. I, you know, told him X, Y, Z. It happened. And it didn't feel like it was destiny. And there was another time, and this was weird. I was with a lady friend uh, out in the East Coast, and to my experience, I was getting into an auto accident in the, in the process of it. And I closed my eyes, and I just in my head said, this is not real, this is not real, this is not real, I can make this go away. And I had that same feeling when I ha- had the dream of my brother passing. And a second later, I inhale sharply, I'm looking at the road, and it's like a moment before the accident, I slam on the gas. My, you know, you know, you know, the, you know, the lady friend is freaking out at that I'm speeding and just swerving like a lunatic, and then I look in the rearview mirror and the same accident starts to happen. Oh, you know. Well, there are some that theorize that uh, we perceive time the way we do because we are trained to do it this way. Yes. And some people who escape that training or can slip out of it are the ones that have the feelings of deja vu because they are literally remembering the future. Yeah. Should I tell him about my second weird experience at Bachelors Grove? Well, absolutely. Okay. Yes. We're in the cemetery, you know, you know, you know, and, and I'm walking around showing new tech to the farmer ghost who's like, hey, look at this neat tech I got, farmer ghost. Um, and then Fulton's grave is like a psychic vampire where you get drained. Well, as I'm walking around, my foot slips in and I fall down and I collapse into the ground about four or five feet, you know, just boom. And I'm freaking out. And then my back starts super itching, and I feel this, like, rotted wood, and, and, and a grave collapsed. I fell into a grave. 
That's messed and, up, man. You know. Oh, my God. And so my friend, you know, reaches out, barely pulls me out, and I'm itching like crazy. And he's like, he's like hitting my back. I'm like, what's wrong? What's wrong? He's like, you're covered in billions and millions of grave mosquitoes. They're just all over me, just biting oh, and stinging and whatnot. Crazy. And then we, you know, and we pull off my shirt. You know, we would get to a gas station, and we pull off my shirt, and it looked like I was diseased with the worst plagues on my back. It was like a cross between the worst acne, it was pussy, it was little dots, it was creepy. And I didn't get like super sick, but I just had this reaction to the grave mosquitoes. And um, about two weeks later, I healed up, things like that. There's one spot that just still hasn't healed. It's always rough. But what's weird, and Brian can attest to this, mm -hmm. I've gone into areas where there are lots of mosquitoes. They avoid me. Yeah. It's yeah. A, Interesting. Yeah, it's almost like, oh, grave mosquitoes touched you. Uh-uh, we're not going there. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're diseased beyond mosquitoes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How and, long has it been since that thing hasn't healed? Oh, um... It, it, it's been uh, maybe close to uh, 30 years. Oh, wow. So it's like a cartilage in there or something? Yeah, yeah something. It, it, it's, it's just... Healed, it's healed, but it's not the same. Anymore. Right, right. Well, it doesn't yeah. quite heal. It's, 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 it's almost like a little touch of psoriasis, but it's not Garth quite psoriasis. It's, it's, it's like, you know, the doctor just said, don't worry about it. You know, it's just uh, this lesion that just perpetually heals and scabs and just doesn't go away. That's fucked up, dude. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about um, people like Charles who are not prone to uh, hallucination. That's the thing about Bachelor's Grove that uh, intrigued me about becoming a writer for it. Initially, was that a lot of the stories don't come from the aluminum foil hat crowd or the weekend Ghostbuster. I mean, there are stories that are from trained observers, like reporters. Um, the story that got me involved was uh, a reporter for the Sun-Times went up to take some pictures of the 20 remaining gravestones that are still there, out of mm -hmm. however many hundreds that had been there originally. Mm -hmm. And he had his camera on that setting that you use for like sports, sports yeah like yeah. the sports setting where it takes like a number of exposures rapidly oh yeah 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 and he yeah and he took like a series of like 7 11 something like that photographs and they were all the same except for one right smack dab in the middle of the sequence oh, where this woman all in white was sitting on top of one of the headstones oh, i've seen that picture yeah yeah Goosebumps, yeah. Yeah. That's that's the quantum fluctuation thing. Exactly. Like, that's the story that put brought me in. It's like a millisecond. Yeah. yeah. Now, now one of the things that we're also playing with within the story is um, there's a certain uh, frequency that all ghosts can be here, like maybe 11 hertz or something like that, uh, 11 point something, 100 kilohertz. I mean, there's like a special number, so I'm going to play with that. Another idea we've been playing with is there are two types of ghost entities. One is an echo, and basically what happens is the experience is embedded into the wood. So imagine wood being almost like a tape recorder, and it can and and an experience can be embedded into it, just like you know this is being recorded electronically. And with the right circumstances, the wood vibrates, and the you know you see the apparition, the the repeat ghost. Um, and when a priest comes in and they throw the holy water, the holy water, in essence, 
interacts with the wood, erasing it. So it, it, it you know changes how the wood is vibrating in frequency. A entity ghost is someone whose soul or spirit is there, or it's a demon pretending to be ghosts. Another one of the side rules I have is all demons are spirits. So they need to possess some type of vessel to interact, whether it's wood, whether it's... Um, and it has to be... Like, they can't possess your TV. They might be able to appear on it and talk to you, but they can't possess it. They might be able to talk to your radio, but they can't possess it. Now, if you got a wood chair, they might be able to possess it and make it bend and move and things like that. Or people, you know, all vampires are a subcast of demons. Zombies are a subcast of demons, so on and so forth. Devils, on the other hand, are physical. And you got to be really careful about the devils uh, in it. I mean, and, and it's been fascinating... Um, the way that some people describe it is imagine a horror hammer mixed with the reality of today. Amazing. You know. Where we almost try to quantify the weirdness that we see yeah. in the stories. Um, I have like a set of writer's guidelines that I have been working up over the last few months. And um, like the actual writing part is only like about three three pages or so, but about ten of it is about this bizarre ecology that uh, Charles has dreamed up for this place. And it's been kind of a challenge trying to write within those guidelines and still do a variety of uh, spooky things in there. And every now and then I'll get a thing from Charles, oh, you can't do that because it violates this or something, so I just uh, have to come up with a way where I can get around his rules. Yes. <laughs> I like that, Charles. You always have, like, a distinct world that you tell within all of your projects, and you're, you really have to stay within the realm of possibilities. So those rules, that's a really cool thing that kind of sets all your projects apart from any Johnny-come-lately that might do a comic book out there. Hey, let's just do something. They're, like, pulling out their swords and just trapping each other's heads off. Well... Yeah, whereas, whereas yours, it's an intricate story that has really, like, complex details, which is great. Thank you. You're so cool. 